Trust Psyche, the podcast on astrology and depth psychology. I'm Jessica Deruzza, licensed psychotherapist, professional astrologer, and teacher. You can find all supporting material for this podcast and my body of work at trustpsyche.com, where you can study astrology with me from beginner to advanced. As you can tell from my new intro, Stream has transformed into Trust Psyche, the podcast. I'm really excited about the new name and new logo, which you can check out on my website or on YouTube. And just, yeah, the new vibe and feel of this podcast. Uh, It's still going to be me on here and, uh, you know, doing what I would consider my streams of consciousness, but then also... Um, hosting sacred conversations with really amazing people uh, like today. This episode 25 was recorded with my dear friend Matthew Stelzner and we talked for 90 minutes about the joy of astrology and the joy of being professional astrologers. So I hope you'll sit back and relax and have a good listen to this conversation which was very meaningful to me. And I also want to let you know that I will be speaking at the Baltimore Astrological Society on Saturday, April 17th, 2021, um, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time in the USA. I would love for you to come. It's open to the public, so all are welcome. So whether you're new to astrology or you're advanced, I think there'll be something for everyone in this talk. It's on Zoom, and it's $15 for non-members and $10 for members. You can go to basastrology.org backslash events to find out more information and to register. And my topic is the living cosmos, planetary relationship in astrology and depth psychology. And I am just so excited and honored to have this opportunity. I want to thank uh, my student and fellow astrologer, Contessa Magdalena, for inviting me to come and speak. I love, 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 love speaking and I love being in groups. So if you're listening to this and you're part of any group or community where you think, um, it would be a good fit for me to come and speak. I would love for you to invite me as well. So here we go. Without any further ado, please enjoy, enjoy this conversation with Matthew Stelzner. Episode 25. Today is March 21st, 2021. Happy Equinox, everybody. I am so blessed and fortunate to be here today with my beloved friend and amazing astrological colleague, Matthew Stelzner. Matthew has popped two of my cherries, at least. (laughs) The first one was Matthew gave me my first full professional (laughs) astrology reading in 2008. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 2011, the first podcast I was ever on was Matthew's podcast. So here we are 10 years later and, well, 13 years later, but we've, we've, yeah, we've known each other for 14 years. And somehow we have lived Bi-coastally in two of the most amazing cities on the planet, 
within a couple miles of each other over the last 14 years, first in San Francisco yep. and now in Siesta Key, Florida, Sarasota, Florida. Yes. I alternate. <laughs> That's how awesome you are. Yeah. I get to have the blessings of being in both awesome places uh, through some kind of divine mystery. Uh, Travis's parents and my parents chose to buy homes within five miles of each other down there. And I'm pretty sure we set it up in advance. Well, that's the other part of it. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that we're part of the same soul group and that we've had countless lifetimes together. And this lifetime, we decided to nail it by being on the same timeline where we somehow spend a really incredible decade together in San Francisco and now a new whole chapter of life in Siesta Key where you're here like half the year. And I was just there. And I had such an amazing time, uh, the two of you. Now three of you helped me to be able to come down there and quarantine before I went and stayed with my parents for four months. And I got to see you go through the whole process before having little baby loose. And now uh, as you've blossomed into the amazing parents that you were destined to be. I couldn't have asked for a better friend in person to be there with us during this incredible rite of passage and of course during the pandemic and here we are and I'm really excited about our conversation today. I really loved what you proposed and I would just love it for you to share with everyone what's been on your heart mind around astrology and just have to say that You are one of my favorite people on the planet to talk to and about everything, but especially about anything astrological, metaphysics, emotions, feelings, uh, life. So yeah, please usher us into your world and just where you've been at these days and what's going on for you. Thanks, Jessica. Uh, Thank you so much for having on having me on this podcast. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share with you and our listeners. Um, Yeah, I proposed a couple different topics that I think are really um, kind of naturally fit together. And one is just about, um, yeah, just my experience of being an astrologer over the last year and how being an astrologer and my practice of astrology helped me personally get through a very, very difficult year. It's been obviously an extremely difficult year for everyone, some people much more than others. Um, And yeah, I think I've been fortunate in many ways, but definitely still a very hard year. And one of the ways I got through it was with my astrology practice. Mm. And the second topic is uh, kind of the same thing, but it's like just how awesome my experience of doing readings has been over the last year and the joy that I've experienced there that sustained me through this very challenging time. And so, yeah, thank you for the invitation. Yeah. I mean, you've been calling it the joy of astrology and specifically the joy of being a professional astrologer. And I really want to talk to you about this because I think that 
it is a really special and privileged position that we get to be in as astrologers for so many reasons. But I really want to understand what it means for you um, that it's a joy and what it is that you love about it and what it is that happens for you when you're in the space of having these sacred conversations that are deeply transformative for your clients. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think there's so many layers to why astrology is so joyful for me, but I guess it it begins with my love of nature and my sense of um, magic that I feel when I'm deeply connected with nature. And especially, I would say, over the years practicing astrology, which is all about kind of tuning into the planetary relationships, the relationship between the Earth and all the other planets, as well as their dances with each other. Um, for me, it's been, yeah, this journey of falling in love with the Earth and all her creatures. And, and part of that is falling in love with the mysteries of the sky. And I think that's what initially brought me into astrology when I was uh, quite young in high school when I got my first telescope and I pointed it at the moon and had no idea what was going on. And as the years passed, I uh, continued to be interested in astronomy and took a, a class that kind of blew my mind my senior year in college with this amazing professor, Anthony Avini, who offered pretty advanced level astronomy classes that I wasn't prepared for in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fulfill a credit in a couple of credits in science, which wasn't my expertise back then, or even uh, definitely not today either. But um, yeah, I wanted to take this guy's class because he had been voted uh, the best professor in America by Rolling Stone magazine or something. And I was Whoa. like, I've got to, I've got to take this guy's class, but he was a real serious person and he barely let me into his advanced class. And it was archaeoastronomy. And a lot of it had to do with, um, yeah, trying to understand naked eye astronomy. And we, uh, we studied some of the, the Mayan tradition and their system of astronomy, and we had to uh, study Stonehenge and understand how Stonehenge was an eclipse predictor. And this professor had us go out uh, for weeks to look at the local horizon and watch how the position of the sun moved over time on the ecliptic. And... I just had such a hard time with that class. I, I loved it so much, but it's like I had to get a tutor because I couldn't comprehend spatially what was going on with the sun and moon and everything. <laughs> I just knew that I was entranced and loved it. And the class was amazing. And I, I think that pulled me deeper into a practice of what I would call uh, sacred astronomy. And I, I really thank the Bay Area astrologer Gemini Brett, who I've been uh, learning a lot from in the last couple of years, and he uses that term sacred astronomy to describe his feelings about being an astrologer. And so uh, after that, I just went really deep into astrology over the coming years, and I think I'm in my 
Saturn return now of that journey I just described. And so that has coincided with this pandemic over the last year. This is kind of end of a whole 30 year cycle for me. And it's like a return back to my roots of just my basic love for the sky. And I knew coming into last year that we had this incredibly rare alignment of Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto in a triple conjunction that got very precise within four degrees at one point, and it stayed within a pretty tight range for basically the whole year, which hasn't happened to that degree for 700 years and won't happen again for a thousand years. And so I, I went into the year just like totally in a sense of mystery like, how is this going to unfold? What's what's it going to be? All I had a sense for was certainly it was going to be epic and profound. But then when it hit on March 17th here in San Francisco, when they uh, first did the shelter-in-place rules and the whole city ground to a halt and a tremendous feeling of fear gripped the city, it was like, uh, yeah, I was really have a hard time like everybody uh in that first month and i just decided to spend as much time here in the city under the sky and that's been more of my practice over the last couple of years especially when there are significant conjunctions of the planets like trying to go out and spend time actually looking at them and kind of praying to them for guidance and kind of entering into, I guess, I think it's ultimately about deepening intimacy with the planets. And there's so many ways in which we can deepen intimacy. Uh, But certainly one of those ways is actually looking at the planets or looking in the direction of where they are. And it's like I, I made this kind of decision that every month of the year when the moon came onto the Jupiter-Saturn-Pluto triple conjunction, I would go out on a kind of ritual pilgrimage to to spend time with it, to look at it, to photograph it, to also, I also kind of documented the whole year this way on my YouTube channel, Uh, these kind of monthly uh, visits out to be under the sky, where I kind of record what was coming to me while I was looking at them. And it's like feel like this is how the sky took care of me this year. It it pulled me out to be with it month after month. And as the year went by, um, like it just brought such a a level of joy uh, to to have that experience, the profound experience in the midst of this really unprecedented global event and to kind of seek solace and guidance from looking at the sky. I was uh, I was surprised just how much how much it shaped the year for me. And every uh, month, I looked forward to to the to the next lunar conjunction. And I just feel like I learned so much over the year. They call the Jupiter Saturn conjunction the the grand conjunction, and uh, I think I I understand why after this year. Just like as an astrologer, you only get a chance every 20 years to observe a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and to spend all year being with it was such an amazing learning experience on a lot of levels. But 
uh, yeah, maybe let me leave it there <laughs> and then I'll, I'll <laughs> say more. Yeah. I mean, one thing I really love and appreciate about you and your, you know, perspective as an astrologer is how much you are able to tap into the specialness and uniqueness of a moment. And then there's this really like infectious encouragement to go and commune and be with the sky. And because of that last year, Travis and I would go out each month as well. And I mean, every night we could, we would go look at the Jupiter Saturn conjunction and then every month that we could with the moon there. And we were really joining you in that practice. And it was a really special returning back to my roots um, with my connection with the sky, which, you know, as a little girl, what the sky meant to me was exactly what you said. I mean, it was a place of solace and it was, it provided me connection um, and, and love, especially when I felt scared or lonely or confused as a child. Like I think we all do when we're children, but you know, I particularly, you know, had some challenging moments and years there in my childhood. And I just remember that I would go out at nighttime before bed and just look at the sky and pray as a little girl. And one of my prayers was just help me to remember and to never forget that there's always more than uh, what the eye can see that's going on here and like keep me connected to my spiritual knowing and my spiritual roots. And going out last year because of your your enthusiasm, um, you know, helped connect me back into that. And it was really special for me to commune with the Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto triple conjunction because what I knew was going to happen was in the fall, I was going to give birth and that my daughter was going to be born with this really rare alignment. And so the communing felt so deep because it was like tuning in to this energy that she's going to carry her entire life. And I just think that's, I will remember that forever. And I really have you to thank for that because a huge part of your practice is, you know, being able to frame something in a way that's like, hey, this matters and this is special. And if you go and do this, if you go and ritualize this experience, like magic's going to happen. And, and that's exactly what happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just found uh, every every week that passed, especially every month that passed over the last year, like I said, it was also just tuning into those different paces of time and just really feeling into the different distances of the planets and the kinds of cycles that they represent, these kind of uh, monthly cycles of the moon and the quarterly cycles of the seasons but then mars came on for a while that was profound in the beginning of course where it was a quadruple conjunction five planet conjunction with the moon right there at march 17th and to see all five of them uh well four of them plus pluto uh and then to just be able to see how fast mars went across it and how fast jupiter was approaching saturn and to feel into those different rhythms it just it just felt so special to i i just feel like i felt it more than ever just felt that sense of being a planet of course in a 
uh, a situation this past year where we've never been so connected by a, a singular event, this pandemic. And it's like, has there ever been a time in the planet Earth's history where like every single person on the planet to some degree or the other is being impacted by one uh, situation? Um, there probably have been others, but I don't know about it being so much like this. And I, I think just that level gave me a sense more of just how connected I am to the entire planet. But then on a deeper kind of consciousness level, I felt like I understood more than ever just like, what is the consciousness of a planet? I think that's the deeper question or maybe the deepest question that astrologers have to ask uh, is like, what is this great mystery of being on this thing we call a planet? And I think the the more you have intimacy with the Earth, and then also the intimacy of the Earth with the other planets and their different uh, paces, uh, the more that happens. There's just I sen- I feel like there's a sense of connecting with a being that has a unique personality, just like each individual human does. And so it was like connecting with the personhood of Saturn, the personhood of Jupiter, and feeling like that consciousness totally sees me looking at it and appreciates that. It's like, well, thank you for getting up on your hill, getting out of bed, and coming to look at my beauty. Thank you for seeing me. And it's just like feeling that appreciation and then the kind of reciprocity of the gifts that come to you when you kind of humbly open to that level of intimacy. It's just so profound. And I just want to say one more thing following up on what you said. It was like such an amazing contrast for me being here in San Francisco in an urban setting um, and being with my local ecliptic. I'm very blessed to be on a hill where I can see the full ecliptic. I can have a good view of the the ascendant and a good view of uh, the descendant, although it's obscured by hills here. Um, it's like, like the intimacy with my direct uh, place on the earth where if someone was born here, it would be their birth chart, <laughs> and and trying to tune into what is that eclip- ecliptic? What is the, the 12th house where the sun rises, and why does it have those meanings? What is the meaning of the 10th house, and why why where does that come from? I think I was really trying to go out there and try to uh, imagine being back before uh modern humans uh, came on the scene and more, what does it feel like? What did it feel like to be an indigenous person here in this land in San Francisco when they looked up at the sky without any filters of the materialistic science? And to be in that here and contrast it with my experience in Sarasota and Siesta Key, where we could go out and see that amazing ecliptic with way less light pollution and a different arc to the ecliptic and to see that develop over four months. Uh, yeah, I just feel like I've never been more in tune with the seasons and cycles of the earth. And I just feel so grateful to have had that kind of support in a very difficult year. Hmm. I mean, so much of what you're describing is really about getting off of the screen where so much of our time as astrologers is spent and looking at charts or 
even right. being in the ephemeris and right. how we can lose touch with the very felt real embodied experience of these living beings and their personalities and the fact that they are living and there can be something about I think both doing this practice for a long time, but also mainly looking at glyphs on a on a you know piece of software app that can bring us out of touch with the truth of that and the truth of what probably got most of us into astrology in the first place, which is the love of the sky, the love of these ancient beings, and that profound sense of engaging the mystery. And so at your Saturn return of astrology, you went back outside and communed with the sky, and it was both a simultaneous returning to your roots, but it was also about the heavens opening up to you in a deeper, more intimate way. And what I'm curious about is when you would go out and you would pray and you would sit with the planets and you'd witness them and you'd have the experience of them of 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 them seeing you, that, that you saw them. I'm wondering like what were some kinds of things that would happen? Like could you share anything like like did you receive messages or how like how was the communication taking place? Like how were you accessing um, their wisdom. Thank you for that. Um, I think it happened in, in different ways, uh, different trips out. Um, I think I definitely had experiences where it felt like by, by going out on this kind of pilgrimage and being in a mode of receptivity, and really, like not knowing how it would be. So, sometimes it was more uh, dramatic than others. Uh, like there was one uh, one time that the moon was on it that coincided with the with the penumbral lunar eclipse, and that was on Fourth of July weekend. And yeah, it was just a sense of making the decision to go up and look at the event, be present to the event. And there were fireworks going off in the city, even though there, even though there weren't supposed to be, and there were people gathering up on the hill. And it was just this, I don't know, it was just this highly energetic experience of, of yeah, everyone gathering at a moment where there was this dramatic alignment happening. And in that case, it was just more a sense of, wow, I'm glad I made the choice to go up here and just to experience. I don't know if I'd ever seen fireworks really here in San Francisco. I don't generally go out to look at them from my neighborhood. Uh, so it just kind of pulled me out to an unexpected moment there. And there were other times where I went out and... I guess it was more than anything, just the experience of being in nature, the, the nature that's uh, here in San Francisco, which is more limited than in Siesta Key. But nevertheless, going to, uh, I went to different places. There's a couple parks that I went to that I don't usually go to to try to observe the alignment from different perspectives. And just a sense of going to those new places. It was like I was being pulled by the sky to be in the nature that is here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. 
I guess there were other experiences where I, especially when I was recording some of the videos that I would put on YouTube, where I was kind of consciously intending to let go of my kind of egoic left brain thoughts or an analytical uh, way of talking about the planets. And I kind of just surrendered to a joyful stream of consciousness uh, that I think was some combination of me and some kind of channeling that was coming through and feeling the specialness of that where it was like the planets wanted to use whatever abilities I have to communicate something uh, for me, but also for the people that checked out those, those videos. And I guess that was part of it too. The process mm -hmm. kept me more creative. It got me out of bed. I would, uh, I'd be doing my spiritual practice first thing in the morning rather than yeah, getting on the screens or uh, looking at the news or whatever. And I found uh, when I did that in the morning, uh, it just, it shaped my whole day. Like the day was definitely uh, better compared to the days when I stayed indoors. Uh, so mm. yeah, those are a few things. Yeah. You're just, you're reminding me of two profound moments where the sky felt like divination, like it was divining something to me by seeing the planets and seeing the physical planets in the sky there was this there were two moments the first was um actually when travis and i were leaving san francisco i'd been there for a decade he'd been there for five years and um this like crazy thing happened on my 30th birthday where our home flooded and we could no longer live there and you were there at my birthday party and you were like do you want to come live with me? And I was like, what? You were like, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. So um, we moved in with you for a couple of weeks. And when we left San Francisco, we left from your house and we drove across the entire country, like what, 3,000 some miles. And it's like the last stretch, you know, through mm, like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and like Trav just like take some Red Bull and five hour energy and like pushing through, like, I don't know, she drove like 16 hours straight and we're like pulling into Siesta Key. It's 5 a.m. And right as we're crossing the bridge onto the island, we look up and there's the moon and Jupiter. Mm. And I just like started to cry and I was so happy. And I was like, this is such a blessing that, these two planets are the planets that are welcoming us to this island and this new chapter of our life where, you know, it's like we didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know what was going on. Like we just pretty much had the clothes on our back. And as soon as I saw those two planets there, I just felt like the universe was saying, hey, you're going to be more than okay. And this is going to be a really blessed and supportive and abundant, beautiful experience of home and healing. And, right. you know, and I was like, okay, got it. And then the other time that happened was actually when we were driving to the hospital last fall for Luce's birth. And, you know, as, as you know, we wanted to have a home birth and things happened at the end that forced us to have to go to the hospital to deliver her. And of course, I was very scared. But in that moment, it's like it was business. It was like, well, it's time. There's only one way out of this. And, you know, it's time to do this. And as we're driving over the other bridge of the key, so the 
the first time it was the South Bridge, this time the North Bridge, I'll look up and there's the moon with Venus. And I started to cry again. And I remembered the moon Jupiter moment. And I said, here we are crossing another bridge into the next chapter of our life. And this time it's a moon Venus chapter. And for the first time in my life as an astrologer, I felt like I understood what that combination really meant. And I was like, I'm on the way to give birth to my daughter. There's moon Venus, love of the child, love of the family. It's this sweet, loving experience. And when I saw that, it was the universe's way of saying to me, you're going to be just fine. Everything's going to be okay. She's going to come out just fine. And there's going to be a lot of love here. And I held on to seeing those planets in the sky in that moment to get me through what was a really hard couple days. Wow. Yeah, that that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's been my experience. It's mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just that sense that there are these messages that are trying to come to us like directly from the planets themselves. Like they they want. I think there's a force of love in the consciousness of all all the planets, and and so I feel strongly that that they in their amazing consciousness that we can't understand from our limited awareness uh they see every one of us that uh looks up to us and they pull us to look look towards them they want us to to look up and see their beauty and send us messages Mm. that's my feeling or they want to send us the feeling of support and this greater sense of yeah of being held by the sky um and I guess I want to say another thing, which is I think I've been learning more and more about how the sky can bring people together also, that there's a, a kind of quality of yeah, what happens when people gather to look at a celestial event. Um, and it was very striking being here in San Francisco for uh, I think it was seven months before I went to Florida and I was alone for I think all of those experiences of being under the sky and it was its own thing but then when I got to Florida I started to have different experiences with you and Travis under the sky also with my parents it was so amazing I mean they were of course in a lot of uh, fear and um, I talked to them about the Jupiter Saturn conjunction and they're already aware of the sky to some degree, but they both got excited to watch it getting closer and closer each night. And we would kind of talk about it at, at dinner. Like, have you been out to see it tonight? And then as it got tighter and tighter, they just were just really excited about it. And I guess that was another thing in terms of, uh, like over the course of the year, I learned more about the alignment that I, I didn't know. I had no idea how special it would be when they actually got exact. Like I had a sense of it. I was like, it's going to be amazing. But then I learned that it was going to be the closest conjunction in 600 years in terms of how uh, how aligned they were on the ecliptic precisely to be as close as possible without uh, uh, being an occultation, which actually happens very rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one 600 years ago, when it was exact, it happened to be uh, conjunct the sun or behind the sun, uh, and so it wasn't visible. So you have to go back even further to have the privilege of looking at this great conjunction. And 
when I learned that, I got even more excited about what's it going to look like. And then there was also another point where I learned that Pluto was exactly on the ecliptic as well, which is very rare. rare. It only happens for a few years. Uh, I don't know if it's five or 10 years during its whole 250-year orbit twice for five or 10 years, it'll be on the ecliptic the same way the moon lines up with it for the eclipses. But anyway, that, that meant unlike other times, like with, when I was born with a Uranus Pluto, uh, conjunction, uh, you would look towards Uranus and Pluto would be up if you see it on a piece of software or whatever. Uh, and so anyway, when we were looking at Jupiter and Saturn this year, we were looking exactly in the direction of Pluto as well. And so that got me excited because I felt more connected to Pluto, even though it wasn't visible. And and so as all of this was building and I was sharing it with my parents and uh, when we finally at the kind of culmination of it all uh, on the day that Luce was baptized and we were all gathered there, the six of us or however many it was. Uh, and we were there on the beach and right at, we were right there at sunset. So we saw it emerge out of the, the, the sky together, merge out of the, the light together as the sunset. And yeah, just to watch that with you two and uh, to experience that, um, yeah, it drew us together in a very special moment, and it's always connected to, to Luce. And um, yeah, so it's like we maybe we wouldn't have gone out to the sky that night and had that kind of special connection, you know, if it wasn't happening. So I guess that's what I mean by how the sky can pull us together the way it did for so many people under the the great eclipse of 2017, or under special lunar eclipses. Uh, or the comet Neowise also happened this year. And that just came out of nowhere. And to try to see that, and I actually did see it one night over the skyline of San Francisco, it just, I don't know, it just brought joy to me. And these different ways uh, are why I call it the joy of astrology. And I think part of what you talk about when you talk about how the planets are holding space for us that this is part of how they do that, that when we choose to go out and watch the sky and then when we choose to do that together, the planets are holding space for us to have an experience. And in you know, the last solstice, when we were out there together, we had a really profound experience together. And the beauty of seeing Jupiter and Saturn there will forever be imprinted in my mind, you know, right there at the ocean's edge and just feeling like we were out on the playa again at Burning Man and just like bringing that consciousness of Burning Man and the solstice and loose and baptism and Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto and our friendship and so many things coming together. I mean, the special quartz sand of Siesta Key, um, the Calusa tribe who have prayed for so many centuries here and the the benefit that we get now to be on their land and you know occupy mm. it that we get to have so many layers and dimension of of love and and prayer and support surrounding us and being in us in that moment because of how the sky brought us together and there's just nothing really like it it's one of my favorite things about being alive and, and being human. 
Yes, it's such a gift. I mean, yeah. Wow. I'm I'm wondering if we could kind of um, flow into the joy of being astrologers and being professional astrologers and the joy of giving readings because I'm I'm really fascinated to have this conversation with you. There's only so many people I can have that conversation with because there's only so many people I know who are professional astrologers and I would just love to open that up like what it is about readings that makes you happy and like what is it that happens for you when you're in that space yeah thank you yeah I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you because I yeah I know I know you understand what I'm about to say um I guess the the first thing is I just feel like it's an amazing career like I just feel it's such an awesome path to travel it's a unconventional path certainly but for whoever gets pulled onto it and risks putting up a flyer or a website or whatever it is to say to the universe i would like to support other people uh to yeah connect with their higher selves through a conversation with the planets the planets of the birth chart the planets of the sky today i just think it's I just have a lot of admiration for all of my fellow professional astrologers out, out there because we're doing something that's totally unique. And I think it's very hard to, to learn how to do it. I mean, you learn by practicing. That's been my experience. I have learned what the hell I'm doing by just throwing myself into it again and again. And I love the thrill of that. I love the thrill of every new client and every client that returns where there's that sense of the mystery that we're going to just start having a, a conversation and somehow it's going to lead to healing. At least most of the time, there's a sense that healing is happening. That's what we're doing. We're participating in a healing process. We're using healing tools and we're also we're also wounded healers, I think, uh, astrologers. I think, uh, I think it's hard to be a good astrologer without, uh, yeah, working with your wounds, coming to understand your wounds, and ultimately draw uh, strength from your wounds as you sit with other people in their wounds, as well as their amazing gifts and joys. And so... I guess I love being professionally obligated to maintain my own psycho-spiritual uh, condition, to, to live a, a life that uh, is healthy, to, to be uh, able to share that with other people, and to also, yeah, be professionally obligated to deeply do my own spiritual practice. And how awesome is that? I mean, I must maintain contact with my higher self in order to do my job. And so what an awesome excuse to do that and have to do it and the benefits of that. Uh, but then uh, it's like, being able to share with another person on the path who's also participating in their psycho-spiritual growth, it's just, it's so fun for me. I find it fun. I've been doing more readings recently. I tend to get them in waves, and I've been on a 
a spring wave here, I think, with a lot of people kind of, uh, yeah, looking for support as they leap into the springtime here. And I just know that when I get a wave of clients like this, it's just fun. It's just like uh, I get on the wave, I try to stay in flow, and I get to be in my heart all day, and I get to have the intention of helping my clients open their own hearts. Hmm. That's beautifully said. I can hear um, the wisdom of your Chiron return and just being really clear that we're wounded healers and how important it is really essential to be in touch with our wounds um, in order to be a source of that healing and that guidance and that part of our spiritual practice and commitment, our ethical commitment to our clients and to the gift that the universe has given us by being able to see astrology is by tending to those wounds. And that that's so much of our psycho-spiritual practice. And as you say, you know, living in our, to our growth edge, like we're constantly being stretched to grow. And when we do that, like the perfect client comes in with the perfect, you know, set of issues and, and we read for them. And in my experience, that mutual healing that happens and the transmission that comes through from, you know, we could call it the intersubjective field, but, you know, the space that's created between these two souls and for me, like my favorite readings where I feel like I'm on my growth edge and really tuned into being a wounded healer is I feel like I touch God. I mean, those are the moments in my life where I feel the closest to God. I feel the closest to my higher self. And it's just so special. And it, I mean, it, it makes me think of, you know, Chris Bache's book, Diamonds from Heaven, where, you know, it's like, it is. It feels like you take a diamond from heaven and you bring it back. And mm-hmm. and then like for me, it's like, okay, then what? And it's like after the reading's done, like to really sit with what's happened and to take those messages that came through and like apply it to my life and like hopefully become a better person and become a, a better astrologer through each reading from what I learned from entering into that space. Yes. And I think an, another thing that I'm starting to hear come through you is um, a combination of um, Neptune and Pisces, conjuncture North Node and Pisces, but also it's starting to oppose uh, your natal Pluto. Yeah. And it's it's starting to come in and it will be trying to your Neptune. And I think this is a really special time for you as an astrologer to be so deeply in touch with the mystery and to be in touch with the, those aspects of Neptune that are about healing and about wholeness and about magic and honoring, um, honoring the mystery. And I think that the humble approach that you bring to entering into a chart is a, it's a very feminine way of being and that you're there to receive instead of, like you said earlier, like have some egoic agenda where you're like, okay, and this is the goal and this is what we're going to do. And that's that. And it's like, no, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen until I enter into that space and listen deeply to the client, listen deeply to my higher self and listen deeply to the planets. And there's just this incredible thing when those three things come together 
and they, they come together in a way that's so like instantaneous. It's just so crazy how it's is a very intuitive process. And like all of a sudden, like all this insight and wisdom is available to us as astrologers that wasn't there moments before we were right. in the session. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so amazing. Uh, that is one of my favorite experiences as, as I'm doing the work with the client, where sometimes it'll be the client that says something that's clearly being channeled in the inner sub subjective field. And other times it's coming through my voice, but it's like, I've been saying things about these planetary relationships for uh, 25 years. And it's like, uh, it's always evolving. It's like, I, I seem like, I never say the same exact thing, or it's usually the case that I'll, I'll describe uh, these relationships in ways I've never done before. And it's like, it's, it's like, it's right there at my growth edge, like you're saying, often these messages, because there'll be a kind of resonance between where I'm at frequently and where the client's at. And it's like, wow, you get to reflect on the reading for yourself afterwards that you have to kind of integrate that. But uh, it's like, the longer I do it, I'm just fascinated by the process of doing readings. Just uh, like, I've always, yeah, just been like, how do I do this? What's going on here? <laughs> like, is, is there some way to really understand the magic of, of what transpires? And it's like, coming up with my own way of thinking about it is always evolving. Uh, but it's, it's definitely more and more a sense of adventure with the client, a sense of, yeah, just totally leaping into the unknown and then following the energy. I really encourage the client right at the beginning to, yeah, just share what's most alive in this moment. Mm -hmm. You know, not the questions that you had when you signed up for the session, but it, they may be the same. But like, where is the energy today? What feels really like, is there a big question or is there a story that's right on uh, right on your mind that feels important to say? And we both kind of go and follow that, like what's alive right now? And maybe that changes 45 minutes and you do a check-in, what's alive now? And it's like, I just trust if I follow and support whatever's alive and then try to amplify it and perhaps reframe it in the most loving way so the client can get mm. mirroring. Because I, I think that's a big part of what's happening in uh, readings is some kind of mirroring. It's certainly a mirroring of the planets to the client through their chart. Uh, but it's also, I feel for me, I end up kind of dissolving my own ordinary consciousness. And sometimes a kind of mirroring happens that I don't really understand until afterwards. Or it's, or it's like, how is it that my, my energy combined with their energy in such a unique way? Um, I'm fascinated by that. And I love, like, yeah, I'm always changing and I, my interests are always changing. And what lights me up is always evolving and changing. And I try to bring all of that, all of my unique authenticity, and I invite all of their unique authenticity. And it's just exciting to see what happens, don't you think? 
<laughs> I do. I mean, I get excited just hearing you talk about it. And, you know, part of what I'm really seeing in your transits is transiting, transiting Saturn, trying your Mercury. I mean, you're born with Mercury, Uranus, and Venus in a triple conjunction in Libra. Jupiter's also there and the sun. But specifically, Saturn trining your Mercury at this like really harmonious maturation of your voice and the claiming of your voice, like even like um, refining the language that you use as an astrologer and really finding your authentic voice. Like that's a beautiful expression of Saturn Mercury. Like what's your true authentic voice, especially through all your 25 years of experience of giving professional readings. And then the fact that it's the Saturn return of your love of the sky and, and sacred astronomy um, that is coinciding with Saturn square Saturn for you. And of course, Uranus and Taurus conjunct your natal Saturn. And so there's this profound coming home that's taking place for you, you know, in your vocation and your professional career that Saturn represents. And here you are in the waning square before your second Saturn return. And what do you know? Uranus is there once in a lifetime, conjunct your natal Saturn. And it's this profound coming home and claiming um, of your own authority on astrology and the unique way that you practice and the way that you channel and the insights that you have. And just this, like, I can hear you stepping into that really mature, grounded energy of like, hey, I've been doing this for almost an entire Saturn cycle, and I love it more than ever. And I think that's really rare. I think that in order to love something more than ever after 30 years means that you have found a way to not only keep your mind open and curious and your heart open and loving and receptive, but that you have lived on your growth edge and you've taken the spiritual practice of astrology so seriously that it can continue to evolve and open in ways that makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning and go and do this work. And I think it's really rare for people to A, love their job in the first place and B, love it more than ever after 30 years. So you must be doing something right. And I think that that joy more than anything is transmitted through the reading and it 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 sends into the other person a message of right relation. Like this is how we can live in alignment with ourselves in a way that is, is true to our soul. And when you do that, these other really cool things happen. And I think that the last thing I'll say about that is I think that without that joy that you're describing, you have a really shitty cosmology and metaphysics. <laughs> and I think that the most like loving, healing, empowering, metaphysics and and cosmology like you're saying like the planets love us and if we can tune into them we can really tune into their loving messages that are kind that type of reading is so profoundly different than the one where you come out of it feeling like shamed and yes. scared oh, and God. fearful of like what's going on. Like what yes. the fuck? Like we've all had that experience and it's so horrible. And you spend so much time afterwards, like trying to dislodge it from your being and your mind and be like, Oh my God. 
And so I think what I'm what I'm saying here is like it's the joy of of astrology that allows you to give as clean of a reading as possible because uh-huh. you're connected to that place of love within yourself and the love within the cosmos. And then that's the energy that the client receives along with all of the amazing insights and revelations that come from a reading. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for all that. Thanks for your comments on my transits. Um, I guess that's another piece, uh, being an astrologer and having my own transits. Like when I was first starting off in my 20s and I would have a client and I would talk to them about their midlife transits, I was obviously (laughs) talking about it from a place of not having been through them. And it's like, I think I, I was able to communicate from a certain place, but now having been through them, it's like, it's just, yeah, to be able to talk about it from my own experience there and from my uh, experiences of other transits, it's like, yeah, I just, I love the experience of learning as I'm going, learning from the practice and then sharing it with my clients. I feel like uh, my clients kind of show up right where I'm at in terms of wherever I'm at with my growth. And so I feel like I can just trust to share from my own experience at whatever stage of my development I'm in. And I guess, I definitely have the intention of uh, like honoring my relationship with all the planets and inviting my client to honor their relationship with all of the planets uh, in the way that I approach the reading. And so, for example, in order to honor Jupiter in the reading itself, it's my intention to like have a sense of humor <laughs> while I'm talking with my client. Like I feel a really successful reading is when both I and my client have laughed a lot and hmm. when those readings are so fun. And uh, it's like, not every reading goes like that. <laughs> They're not always laughter, but I guess that's my intention. But I also have the intention of honoring Saturn and like when something kind of very uh, what's the word? I guess, yeah, when the serious matters of life are being spoken of, sometimes it's not really appropriate to have any humor there. It's like you bring yourself into and honor the sadness of the other person with whatever it is they're dealing with, and you get to kind of go into grief with them, but then you kind of come out at the other side at different points, and it's like, yeah, we can we can have fun through the session. I hope it's fun. And by the end, uh, yeah, we've had fun and the person feels like they're more in their hearts and more hopeful about their lives. Mm. But I certainly know what you're talking about in terms of, um, yeah, the, I'm very aware that how we speak to the client and also the frequency that we're in when we speak uh, is profoundly impactful. And that's the responsibility of the astrologer is to yeah, be, be very aware of the kind of language that you're using. And, and so I think this is a big focus for me with my clients, actually, is I'm, I'm very attuned to how they're talking about themselves and how they're telling their own story. And often it's uh, more often than not, it's with a lot of self-judgment or minimizing their own experience, not really loving themselves and how they're talking. And so I'll often ask for them to just pause 
and then I'll kind of reframe what they're saying and invite them to say it out loud in a different way. And for me, this is kind of the heart of what to me is the the the, the base of all spiritual work, which is the self-love practice, which I feel is like maybe it was for me my the most important and, and deep work of my 30s was all about the practice of self-love, like getting better at it. Like, what is it to really forgive myself unconditionally? What is it to talk to myself more kindly, more gently? And then I think it's from that commitment to my own loving self-talk that I become hyper-aware of when other people are not talking that way about themselves. And so I hope by the end of a, a session that a person is able to kind of be just more kind to themselves in terms of how they're, yeah, how they're framing their own experience. I think definitely think that's one of your superpowers. I mean, it's one of the things I so appreciate about our friendship and about our conversations is just how you're really able to um, amplify and reframe things that feel just so good, like and help me genuinely integrate something in a more profound way. But then also, yeah, like really been like, hey, like, wait, no, like you're doing great. Like, let's, let's look at this together. And I think that um, part of what I'm hearing here is uh, your, well, okay, there's two things. Um, I'm really like focusing in on getting a message on what your North Node in Pisces in the fifth house is about. Um, but just want to say that what you just said about that you're spending your thirties deepening into your self-love practice to me is an example of Chiron. It's like you were really touching into your wounds around being critical of yourself and having limited self-perception and beliefs. And by really taking the time to work on that and practice with it, you're now able to provide a source of healing for people when in a session you hear them doing that. It's a really clear example of what you mean by wounded healer. And when we tend to our wounds, how that can be a source of healing for others. But part of what's coming through is I'm seeing your North Node in Pisces in the 5th and your South Node in Virgo in the 11th conjunct Pluto. And part of what I'm seeing is um, when you talk about getting out of the analytical mind and into a flow state, and when you talk about um, getting away from the computer screen and going into nature and being with the sky, and when you talk about coming from a place where we have a self-critical voice and maybe being more of a perfectionist into really having unconditional self-love and compassion, for me, that's the whole movement from South Node in Virgo to North Node in Pisces. Um, that the South Node in Virgo in the 11th house says that you've really been steeped in analytical traditions that were like really rigorous and, you know, really of the mind and in the 11th house, probably in astrological communities, like many past lives studying in this way, which I think is makes you in part a really gifted, intelligent astrologer. Um, but the North Node in Pisces in the fifth says, no, that this life, your soul's evolutionary intent and growth edge is going into more creative self-expression, finding your own creative voice, not the voice of the group, but you as an individual, that fifth house Leo energy, but it's 
Neptune. So it's about healing. It's about wholeness. It's about being intuitive versus analytical. It's about really honoring flow states of consciousness, getting into the heart, practices of the heart, practices of self-love and self-care. And that's your dharma. That's where like doors open and life opens up for you. And I know personally, it's been such a journey for you to do that. And with Pluto, their conjuncture south node in the 11th, it really speaks to that there was a tremendous amount of personal power that you had by being analytical and scientific and rigorous and, you know, doing all the correlations and, you know, being top notch, not just in this life, but in other lives. But yet there was also power struggles there and, you know, dealing with themes of power, but that really, you know, it's like, okay, you have that. And, and, and thank goodness in certain respects, you have that. It's not about cutting that part of yourself off, but that when you allow yourself to go more into the Piscean Neptunian place, and of course, transiting Neptune's there now, there now. So more than ever, it's like moving into this place of trusting the process versus controlling the process. It just really speaks to you fully embodying and embracing this part of your chart that your soul chose to reflect and mirror what it means for you to personally evolve this life and what it is that you're here to personally do as a human being, which of course is synonymous with who you are as an astrologer. I mean, there's not Matthew, the human being and Matthew, the astrologer. So much of what you offer in your readings is your full self. And by being fully present in your full self, you bring in all your life experience, good and bad into the session. And I think that's what allows you to channel. And I think that's what makes those readings uh, more of that North Node in Pisces versus the South Node in Virgo, which is like, let me correlate and give you a like historical analysis of this thing. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for all that. That, that does uh, really land for me. Um, Yes, it's been quite a journey, I would say, for me, especially the last uh, six or seven years. Uh, I've been gradually transforming my office from like having just all my bookshelves filled with books. And it's just like books and intellect and the computer on my desk and files and all that to uh, over the course of, uh, yeah, over a couple of years, I just removed all the books, moved in plants, made the whole office an altar. And now it's just like, I get so, uh, yeah, it was already just a real sacred temple for me, the, my office, but it's become this place of, yeah, just kind of letting go of the left brain and of unlearning a whole lot of stuff and then entering into the mystery of the right brain and flow states. And it's like, I, I just spend more time than ever before every reading, just, yeah, focusing on my own spiritual uh, state and doing a lot of uh, practice for me. It's been more and more doing altar work and working with Tarot, but then also, of course, the astrology, but it's just like, Gosh, that that's again for me the joy of astrology is that's my job. Is I'm supposed to do that, like to kind of get into a high state of consciousness, try to maintain it for a couple of hours with a client, and step outside of time together, explore the mysteries together, and yeah, go on a ride. The, that's my experience in the best readings is the my client shows up we both show up with the intention to go on a kind of journey together where we follow the energy and just try to listen well together and i guess uh the other thing i'll just kind of um reaffirm is i guess 
more and more, it's just like such a strong intention to focus on the most positive ways of framing every alignment, whether it's a square or, you know, something that the astrological tradition tends to like have scary things to say about. And I think in the past I would struggle with this because I would somehow feel obligated that I need to put out the cautions or the shadow sides of things. I do that very gently at this point. Like I try to have that be a small percentage of the work, whereas I really am trying to help the client hold the thought forms that are really the highest intentions of the planets for us, because I know that's what they want for us. They're not trying to compel shadow things. They're actually calling us towards the most loving things that they have to offer. I've been thinking lately of uh, the planets, the combinations, as if they were like in marriages. And mm. when it's different, uh, like when Saturn and Pluto are two awesome uh, personalities that are just having a great marriage together and they're bringing both of their gifts together and they're combining together into a collective consciousness of this awesome potential that some couples have. They're just a force of nature, way bigger than the sum of the parts. And it's like, I guess that's what I'm trying to aim for is like what could be the client's best possible relationship with their transit, their own natal chart, and try to kind of hold that with them and help them to anchor it. I just, I love that perspective, right? Because first of all, there's just so much fear in the world. There's a lot of fear in astrology and the tradition, and there's a lot of fear in our own minds. I mean, everyone's pretty critical. I mean, everyone's pretty capable of, um, being self-critical, self-doubting, you know, negative thought forms. Like we're all pretty good at that. Um, but where we could all use a lot of help and love is this other perspective that you're bringing in. And so I agree that our reading is a space to help remind us and, you know, for us to remember the truth of what health and well-being looks like and feels like. And I just yeah, I think a lot of times I felt lonely in the world of astrology and in the astrological tradition because of how a lot of the alignments are talked about. And yeah, I just like it can just really make me sad and depressed and also can make me really frustrated and pissed off um, that here we are, like we've been initiated into one of the deepest mysteries of life and like given the gift of being able to see astrology and commune with these beings and then to turn that into something that isn't coming from a place of love. I know like sometimes when I like am sharing from my heart on social media and I make a post like I don't know, I make a post on like maybe my tarot spread or something and then someone's like, "Ooh, watch out, you just got the Ten of Swords. Right. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, fuck <laughs> you. Like, watch out for what? Like, fuck uh, off. Like, don't yeah. touch me. Don't touch my practice. Wow. I don't know if I want to share this again uh, because I, what is that? And you're not even saying anything of import. And it doesn't mean that shitty things don't happen and we all have challenges. Duh. But like, if you're going to say something like that, Say it in a way that's loving and kind and helpful, not like right. watch out. In the context, fuck it, off. 
in the context of a conversation that's very intimate and maybe there's an opening uh, that's actually kind of invited by the client to to name what could be a challenge of a card or an energy. But I, I guess for me, my real philosophy though is that the cards and the sky are are pulling us towards higher positive timelines. That's mm-hmm. that's what they want for us. That's what our higher self that makes the interpretations uh, ultimately uh, is calling us towards. And mm-hmm. we can either choose to focus on that, um, which I guess that's where you're living from a, an epistemology of hope, a, a life philosophy that ultimately that hope is real, love is real, that the universe bends towards justice, you know, that you kind of live your life with a positive attitude. That's our one of our fundamental choices in life is to kind of lead with uh, a positive attitude, uh, not to repress the, the realities of life's challenges at all. But I think... Um, I guess this is just for me what the practices have been about, um, trying to feel pulled to my own higher happiness. I guess like something that, yeah, something that keeps coming to mind is our really special experience at your 50th birthday where we went and rode roller coasters together. (laughs) Yes, we did. It's just like one of my favorite days I've ever had in my life. Me too. And I just feel like that day like perfectly encapsulates riding the wave, riding the energy, like ride it like a coaster, as we say. And, you know, the day started off like I was terrified, shaking in my boots, like didn't want to enter the theme park. Like I was just like, I can't, I guys, I can't do this. I don't think I can do it. These are the scariest roller coasters I've, well, I've ever ridden in my life. I mean, they were intense. They were the real deal. Florida's known for their theme parks. So, you know, we got the, some of the best roller coasters in the whole world here. Yes, we did. And we get on, we get on the ride. And by the end of the first coaster, I was like, Oh, I get it. This can either be a really scary, painful experience where you resist and contract and like don't write it, or you can like surrender, let go, center yourself and like be one with the coaster essentially and actually ends up becoming this like really euphoric, pleasurable experience. And by the end of the day, we like we're just riding every coaster in like supreme bliss. Yes. That's been um yeah, that's definitely been a really big touchstone for me over the last year in having to ride the energies of the Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, or just the general world situation, trying to figure out how to stay on the wave rather than yeah, get kind of swamped by it or contract around it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, that is the spiritual practice. It's like, how do you wake up each day uh, like a, a surfer who has their surfboard and bag packed ready to go catch a wave if the weather's right? And it's like, I think that's another thing that's just awesome about astrology is we're, we're just kind of tuned in to the possibilities of certain alignments. And we're we know that we can participate in those and we can co-create with them. And if we are attuned to the weather and the cycles that we can see where the waves are and uh, yeah, catch the coaster or catch the trip to see the sky. 
I mean, don't you feel like that's part of the moral imperative of being an astrologer as like living your best life? Like, I just feel like yes. be- because I have this awareness and I have this practice and I have this metaphysics, like I have to be living my best life. What what else would I be doing? Right. And I think that people are the most inspired to get a reading from someone when they see that that person is joyful, when they see that that person is filled with love and loving themselves and loving their life. And it's like, I want to be in the presence and the company of people like that. And those are the kind of people that I want to interpret what's going on in my process so that I can take that vibrational energy back into my life to live a better and better life. And it reminds me of a rule um, that or a guideline that's really recommended in the birthing process. Um, this really came out of Ina May Gaskin's work. And she said, you know, no complaining. Like when you're in labor, uh-huh. no complaining. Because when you complain, you focus on the negative and that enhances the pain and that enhances the discomfort. Right. And instead it's like, yes, okay, that is an aspect of what's going on. But if you f- like focus on like actually saying, I love you, um, it relaxes your cervix and it helps it open and it helps the baby come out. And um, so does kissing, uh, uh-huh. laughter, like uh-huh. these physical things of, of love and joy actually help the baby come out. So Travis and I made a rule, especially because we were in a setting that wasn't our choice, our first our choice at all. We didn't want to be in a hospital. We we had to be. And we tried to make it as homey as possible with some salt lamps and aromatherapy and all our amazing rattles and everything, right? But it's like still it's a hospital. There's not privacy. People are coming in and out. Like there's a real loss of control of space. And it was like our number one rule is no complaining. And the second either of us would just even begin to complain, like, really? Like we they said we were going to be able to hook up our computer to the TV so that we could stream what we wanted to stream. And I was like, okay, no complaining. Like, let's not focus on that because every time uh-huh. we focus on that, it takes energy away from the inevitable, pro- uh, inevitable process that is happening here, which is a baby's going to come out. And the thing about giving birth is in order to have the least amount of unnecessary suffering and pain is to utilize every wave, every contraction for its purpose, which is to for the baby to descend and come out. And I couldn't resist that process by clenching my jaw, keeping my shoulders high, and not dropping the energy and going, fuck, I don't want this to happen and the next one's going to happen in three minutes from now. Or I cannot complain. I can ride it like a coaster, take a deep breath as the the coaster ascends, know that when I get to top, the top, I exhale, become one with the contraction, and each time use it for the, what it's there for, which is to help me open wide enough so this being can come out and be born. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I think that's life. And like some days are easier than others in regards to that. But I just think in general that's life. And I think in in general that's how 
I want to interpret the transits when I'm giving a reading is like, yeah, but there, this is here for a reason and let's tune into that and, and, and feel the love and the support of that, even when it's really hard, um, especially when it's really hard, uh, because it's going to happen either way. So we can either be in a place of love with that, or we can be in a place of, um, of being contracted. And that doesn't mean that there are, I, that doesn't mean that I perfectly did every one of those contractions, but I did enough of them well enough that loose came out with uh, relative ease and grace, especially for the situation that I was dealing with, the very, very, very difficult and dire situation that I was in. And I think so much of that was a mindset. And our day riding the roller coasters helped me uh, be born again that day. Yes. Wow. Wow. I'm taking all that in. Thank you for that. I mean, that's really. Um, I'm really going to hold on to that, just that simple idea of no complaining, no complaint. Mm. It's coming from a really uh, good place of just knowing that that's the, the way to have, uh, yeah, have the experience go as good as possible, as well as possible. Mm. And I, I definitely think that I try to, I try to live my life that way. And I, I try to embody that energy. I'm very sensitive when I, uh, feel like uh, someone is complaining a lot. Mm. It's uh, that would be when it's a client. That's a more challenging client to work with, or the kind of dominant attitude is complaining, or they can only kind of see their life through a kind of critical or negative lens. And and so, but I I love the the challenge of those readings is as difficult as sometimes they are. It's like is it, I trust that there is a, an energy of healing that can, at least for the time of the session, maybe kind of pull the person, pull us both out in a sense of the temptation to go into some kind of complaining or focusing on where the complaints are rather than, uh, yeah, sometimes when I've talked, even if it's just in my life, but sometimes with a client in that situation, I can just say, I, I'm wondering, what are you most happy about right now? <laughs> like, like, what's the best thing that's going on in your life right now? And I remember recently someone in my life, I, I asked that after I heard some really heavy shit about what was going on. And they were just like so grateful that I asked that question and they, they had a chance to really focus there for a minute. It's like they, they gave some energy there and immediately their frequency raised and the conversation was more pleasant. And so it's like... Yeah, how much energy do you give to that complaining or negativity? Because of course, some of that's just human. But if you have just a general intention to to try to frame things in a more positive way, which of course I think is one of the really big lessons of the past year under the Jupiter Saturn Pluto triple conjunction, uh, Jupiter and Saturn together are trying to teach us as a uh, awesome uh, couple, like that. Uh, life can be really pretty good, even in the midst of the most difficult situations. That 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 joys can be found in unexpected places that wouldn't have been possible without the thing that you might otherwise be complaining about. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I had this reading a couple of days ago with a woman who 
was in her 60s and she had retired and she had just decided to follow her bliss uh, in her retirement. And her true love is tango dancing and, mm-hmm. and going to like international events where real, pretty high level tango ga- dancing happens. And it was just such a fun reading because it's like you enter into the consciousness of a tango dancer and the reading's going to be a tango dance. It's like so fun. It's like somebody comes in who's just so alive and has learned how to live in joy. Uh, They still have lots of challenges in their life, but they're able to have a conversation where, yeah, they're they're in alignment with, yeah, let's, let's work this through in a really fun and joyful way where, yeah, some clarity comes, some answers come. But it's like the complaining is not getting in the way versus uh, having other clients where it's just they're complaining from throughout the first hour and you can't say anything. It's like, yeah, that's where tough. And- it, it, it's, it's really tough when a person's in a position of why is this happening to me? You know, and it's like, I do think it's part of the human experience to complain. And I ask that question. I have asked that question when I'm in a really hard place. I'm like, why, why is it happening to me? But there's a difference between that and, living from that state of mind every moment or most of the time. Like, why is this happening to me? And it's really hard to give a reading that I enjoy when a person's in that place because they're not open to receiving the frequency of where I would like to be at in regards to the reading. I remember the worst reading I've ever had in my whole career, um, I'm sure you can remember your top three or five. I remember my top three. This was probably my top one. And like the person was in a total victim state the entire time, complaining about every last thing. None of it was her fault, like completely powerless, Um, challenged me on a conversation about what does it even mean to be in your power? Everybody says that it's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Attacked herself, attacked me. And then she started to attack the planets. And that's when I just had it. And I was like, nope, that I'm drawing a line. And I just remember I was like, and that's it. I would, And I just was like, no, that is not what Uranus and Pluto are about. No, you don't get to talk to, you don't get to talk about them like that. And just feeling in that moment, my protection of these beings and my love of them that I would, you know, stand up and say this to someone. I mean, my 99.9% of my readings don't go like this. And I just, I just thought, you know, I recently listened to a podcast where it says you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And I really thought about that. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. I spend my time with really, really, really awesome people uh, who are in a high vibration in their heart, who generally love life are grateful and appreciative to be here. And when things are hard, are real about it. And like ultimately like deal with hard things in a way that I find very admirable. And you, Matthew, are one of those people for me. And I just feel so blessed and fortunate that you are one of my averages because I want to live in a kind of world that you live in. And that's just so important to me because we have such a limited amount of time here. And my most joyful readings are the ones where the client might be 
really struggling with something profound and there's just so much love there and we can really talk about the hardest things in life in the most loving way. I recently had a client whose mother died and it's such a privilege to be there with someone in that intimate, one of the most intimate moments you'll ever have, which is the death of a parent. And Mm -hmm. like we, we cried and we laughed by the end of the session. And it's just like, wow, you know, I'll remember that forever. And, and I know I'm kind of saying a lot of things here, but that like what we shared in that moment, not only like, do I feel so honored to to ha- to have that opportunity? But like, th- whenever I have to go through that experience of my mother passing, like I will have had a really beautiful moment with somebody when their mother passed, and so it like seeds itself into when I have to go through that moment, and I feel like that's part of the. Mm, holographic ritual magic of this work that we do is the healing that we get to be a part of with other people becomes our healing, not in some abstract conceptual way, but that when we go through whatever inevitable human experience, universal experience we all go through, like the death of our parents, I will have part of that vibration in my experience. And it's like the readings are woven into my life in a way that I barely understand, but that I, I know that because of the quality of life that I have and how much I love my life and love the people in my life, it has so much to do with the amazingness of what happens within these sessions. Yeah. Wow. Really taking what you're saying, I... I love the yeah the idea of how is it that you said it the 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 average of the the five people we spend the most time with that's kind of like your state of consciousness yeah yeah it took me a long time to learn that <laughs> it's taken me a long time to, it's I'm still Moon learning Neptune <laughs> <laughs> boundaries yeah. yeah yeah it's like I think that's maybe the biggest lesson I've had is like. Uh, how we make choices around who we invest our time in, who we invest the most time and energy in terms of deepening intimacy with, it's it just profoundly shapes everything, profoundly shapes the timelines we're on, that and where we choose to live are basically the two biggest things that shape our uh, mindset and our, uh, yeah, the set and setting of our journey. And so, yeah, that's, it's been an amazing uh journey in the way you're saying in terms of all the experiences with individual clients. I feel like I've, I've learned so much from all the clients. So yeah. To like be in my twenties and to be exposed to people going through all these big life events, marriage and death and birth and illness and uh, celebrations and uh, breakthroughs <laughs> and just exciting spiritual openings. I mean, so many uh, stories of spiritual experiences. I mean, that's the awesome thing about being an astrologer is you have your own amazing spiritual uh, experiences because that's your professional obligation to figure out how to do that. But then it's like you get to enter into that field with other people and have 
them share. Uh, sometimes for the first time, they feel comfortable opening up about one of the most precious spiritual experiences they've ever had. And it's often just mind blowing and they don't know how to make sense of it. And it's like, wow, just bear witness to people sharing that. And I, I guess I want to just add them where for me as a white male in a year like this, that I've been incredibly pr privileged to have this career. I've had a lot of doors open, I think, because I'm a white male. And I just, I just feel like it's important for me to acknowledge that. And I, I also, um, I feel like I, I really want to be of service for the rest of my career to try to, yeah, support astrologers to, um, yeah, to flower no matter uh, who they are, but definitely, especially supporting those who have not been as fortunate as I have in terms of, yeah, my own white privilege. Mm. Thank you so much for saying that. And I stand I stand with you in that I am aware that being white, being American, speaking English has allowed me to reach people all across this country and around this world in a way that others haven't um, gotten to because of the way that our society and civilization is set up. Um, so I and you know, I think that part of the the Jupiter Saturn with Pluto is just making all of us very well, hopefully, uh, aware of injustices and lack of equality and lack of uh, opportunity uh, from different classes to different ethnicities uh, and to different orientations of all kind. It's it's tough to be an astrologer. That's why I feel so blessed to have had the success that I, I have. Um, and it's like, I want it to be possible for anybody that's really drawn to try to make their living doing this work to, to be able to have all the support that they can to thrive. Because, yeah, it's a life of service and, and helping people to be uh, relieved of suffering. And what an awesome thing to be able to do i i it's not easy to have uh yeah to tell people that that's what you are i think it's a lot easier today <laughs> that was when i i started i i love what's happened with social media and technology since i started in this work i started doing it right as the internet was coming online used to send out uh uh cassette tapes recorded with Radio Shack equipment uh, in bubble wraps <laughs> to my clients. And now it's like, wow, this the tech has opened up so much and there's possibilities for people to uh, promote themselves that was not there before. And I think there is more openness uh, in the new generations coming up as astrologers. And there's, there's a kind of magic, I think, to uh, this I think the biggest wave of astrologers that we've seen. I mean, I remember when I was going to conferences back in the early 2000s, uh, the one or two that I went to, <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah, there was just like this sadness that a lot of the older astrologers felt like, where are all the young people? And then it's like, I don't see that as a problem anymore. Do you? No, not at all. And I think it's a really special uh, moment, like post, Uranus-Neptune conjunction of the 90s and Harry Potter. Like, it's like, yeah, baby, we're here. It's exciting. I just, <laughs> I, I feel a kind of power in uh, these 
new generations of astrologers coming forth. There's there's more comfort. I think the culture is much more open to to it than ever, and and so yeah, it just feels good as a aging astrologer to see wow, this is going to infiltrate uh, the culture more and more, and hopefully uh, in higher vibrational ways. I mean, I, I feel like that's happening. Well, Matthew, um, I just have so enjoyed um, our conversation today and want to thank you so much for being here with me. And I really hope you'll come back on again because I just love talking with you so much. And I'd love for you to be here anytime. So we are here at the end and I would just love for people to know how they can find you, how they can get a reading from you and about your YouTube channel where you're releasing awesome videos all the time. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, the best way to find me and see how to register for a reading is to go to my website at uh, it's just my name.com, matthewstelsner.com. Uh, you can also find it through uh, stels.biz, but uh, matthewstelsner.com. And you'll see on every page at the bottom, there's a, uh, a form to sign up for my mailing list. And that would be the best way to get in contact with me. And I, I send out uh, uh, promotions sometimes. And and so, yeah, please sign up for my mailing list. You also see the all the uh, my calendar there. And my YouTube channel is under my name as well. Just look for Matthew Stelsner. I'd love to have you come and check out my videos. I love it. I love doing YouTube videos. Come and check it out. And I just want to say, Jessica, it's been so awesome being here with you on this podcast and this really fun conversation. I just want to say uh, it's been so great to see uh, this podcast grow and to see your business grow and the Trust Psyche learning community on Facebook. I'm just, I'm just thrilled with what you and Travis are, are offering and uh, everybody should sign up for your classes and, and uh, check it out. Aw, thank you so much, Matthew. I love you so much. Burners for life, astrologers Burners for life. For life. Best timeline ever. Best timeline ever. We're, <laughs> we're rocking it. I think we're nailing it. Nailing and we're going to keep on nailing it. Yeah, baby. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of Trust Psyche, the podcast. I'm Jessica Deruta here with the very wonderful Matthew Stelsner. Thank you. Trust Psyche, the podcast, produced by Sci-Fi Records and music by the lovely Travis Deruta. <laughs> <laughs>